Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here. As always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 4-2 loss at home to Arsenal on Saturday. The early kickoff, very early for some, not so much for others. But regardless of that, I do have Mr. Sebastian Bacon with me here as well to run through all the good stuff. We also have a few Twitter questions, comments, concerns that we'll get to later. So we're going to make this a little bit of a quick blended one. I say quick, but we'll, it's the Holtcast, so remember, we'll, we'll see how long this one actually lasts. We'll say half an hour, it ends up being 60 minutes plus. But uh, anyways, I hope you do enjoy. And to do some a little bit of admin work, I do want to mention, of course, leave us a positive review, if you don't mind, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. If we can get the Apple Podcasts and Spotify um, likes and comments and stuff like that, the reviews up, I should say, maybe we'll give away a shirt by the end of the season. Who knows? We'll, 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 we'll tease that out there to get a little bit more engagement on that end. So tune in on future pods for more info, hopefully on that. But regardless, Seb, how's it going for you? I hope I'm not contagious because I think you will know more than anyone that I, I struggle to do podcast intros first time. So um, I hope that after today's showing that that's not spreading out to you. Um, I'm I'm very good. Thanks. It's nice to be back on. It's a little lonely. Just me and you in here. No Danny, no Simon or no Tom this time to keep us company. But nonetheless, I'm sure we'll we'll find the time to ramble on all things Aston Villa for the next hour or so. <laughs> Absolutely. And you guys won't have heard it, but of course, this is my second intro. For some reason, the first one I was going on about time changes for almost two minutes. So um, yeah, well, anyways, let's run through the score sheet here just to kind of make sense of all the drama that went on yesterday. Of course, Ollie Watkins scored in the fifth minute from a Matty Cash assist. Saka for Arsenal scored in the 16th minute from a um, well, actually, it was unassistant. I didn't even realize that thinking about it now, but that makes sense. Uh, followed by a Felipe Coutinho goal to put us up 2-1 before the half, of course. Um, Alex Moreno getting his first assist in Clarendon Blue, which is always good to see. Of course, Inchenko leveled things up in the 61st first minute before, of course, Emmy Martinez had an own goal uh, go off his head <laughs> from the cross. Like, the only way you can really describe it, really, from a Jorginho a uh, shot that to be fair was a very nice shot and probably deserved to go in on its own merit based on the power of it uh, but nonetheless that is our luck as of late and of course um, Martinelli scoring in the last few moments of the match of course no Emmy in goal coming up for the cross which we'll talk about a little bit later um, to seal things for Arsenal and keeping them I think they're at four points or something or maybe just three ahead of City at this point in time but regardless Advantage to Arsenal in the title race, more questions for Villa. But Seb, I'll throw this your way. I mean, I, I again, it's not a tale of two halves. Some people might say this again because it feels like that's how Villa have been as of late or for as long as I can really remember. But we came out very, very strong in the first half, didn't we? 
Yeah, we like starting quickly at Villa Park. Um, it's more than one occasion under Unai Emery, we've scored inside the first few minutes and it was a brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, a great ball from Matty Cash, great vision to break the high Arsenal line. And Ollie Watkins had a lot of work to do, made harder by miscontrolling his first touch, but he did it superbly. The way he struck down to Aaron Ramsdale's far corner um, was sublime. And I think that's something that he's worked on because Ramsdale has conceded quite a few at his, his far posts this season, something that he's come under a bit of criticism for. So for him to identify that, I don't think that that is a fluke. I think that that's something uh, they will have identified on the training pitch and he took it well and we started brilliantly. However, just like the Leicester game, it was a lapse of concentration. We gifted them the goal. Uh, you mentioned the no assist, but I think we've got to give Tyrone Mings his credit for the assist. Um, I mean, all jokes aside, it it was poor defending, um, a, a, a comedy of errors, really. For, for a centre-half, he should be putting that out of play and not into the six-yard box. There are also questions of Martinez. Did he or should he have called for that? Uh, to come and claim the cross instead. It's just a lack of communication and something that is all too common amongst the Villa back line so far this season. If you look at the season as a whole, we have struggled defensively, uh, which is a shame because we looked really solid defensively when Emery first came in and it's something that I thought we'd have patched up. However, it's been our downfall in the last few weeks and it came up again today. So back to one all and we had it all to do however we did do it and again another brilliant goal this time from Coutinho um, although Buendia didn't get credited for an assist I think a lot of of praise has to go his way and finally we're seeing some sort of link up between Buendia and Coutinho um, which has been long overdue I thought they were both brilliant yesterday uh, put ourselves ahead and then what was next? The Zinchenko goal, that's right. Um, we've been caught out like that before. Um, the haunting of Stevenage, if you like. The same corner, the same routine, the same side of the pitch that it came on. Again, nothing can be described apart from a lack of concentration, which is unacceptable. to. Ha- we've had two games at Villa Park now where we've conceded four and ultimately gifted them we gifted Leicester all four goals. We gifted Arsenal three. So, so something has to change on that front. We can't be relying on scoring three or four every game to try and win. Uh, we have to become solidified. And I, I said things need to change. It, I don't think it's as complicated as that. I just think we've tried to play a high line, which didn't work against Leicester. We got caught out as well by Arsenal um, and Ketia put one over the bar from it. So there'll be work for Emery to do. However, we've got a favourable run coming up now. So hopefully we can put these three losses behind us and start picking up results again. Absolutely. Like I, I, I agree with everything you said, really. Um, firstly, on Watkins, I mean, that ball from Cash was brilliant. Overhead of what two Arsenal defenders, just kind of the pace and and the know how to to really maintain it, the little step over and to tuck it in there. I mean, I, I can't remember the exact um, stat now. I don't know if that's five games in a row that he's scored in, or there's a goal contribution of some 
manner or something like that. I think if he scores next, I think it, maybe it was six or something like that. So maybe it is five, but regardless of that, I don't have my, my stat book in front of me to know every Villa stat. Maybe I should look at a AVFC Stato and see if he puts something out to correct myself later. But I mean, Watkins was causing them lots of trouble in the first half. And then he became, in my opinion, pretty isolated in the second, which we'll get onto the second half kind of more so in a little bit, because there's probably more talking points there. But I think the one thing Seb too, and especially what happened in the first half and the second half, and you kind of said it there is we're gifting goals. Now the Saka one, yes, Ming should either be heading that back to the keeper or heading it back out. Martinez should also be calling for it. There's a lack of communication there. I think in some ways for some fans, it's going to put a little bit damper on the news. Of course, that Ming signed a new contract, which of course is probably going to put more pressure on him now that he's kind of made that questionable error, unfortunately. So you know what? It is what it is. Things like that do happen. It's massively frustrating, but it's just the consistency of it. I'm not so mad about the Zinchenko goal, to be honest, because really, if you look at the people, the players in front of them, they're pretty tight to him. And really, where Zinchenko, hit, Zinchenko hits it is where he can only hit it to even have a chance to go on goal. If it goes anywhere else, it's not even going to be on target. So it, it's well-placed, I would say. But the third one is just the one that, I mean, I, well, to be honest, the last one drives me nuts probably the most, but the third one in terms of, a goal that realistically would happen. I don't even really count the fourth based on just it should never have happened. It was empty net. But with the third one, the the man marking, the lack of urgency, of course, Arsenal are on the front foot. I completely get that. They're they're going for a title. So there's lots of pressure there. And of course they are, we have to admit, a better, more capable side than us. Let's be realistic. And it's just the man marking so poor, the urgency, the composure, it's just... To, for that all to happen is annoying. Now, the manner of how it happened is massively unlucky. Um, Arsenal fans can make jokes and memes and whatever about it bouncing off the crossbar and hit, hitting Emmy Martinez in the back of the head and going in. Well, on any other day, that doesn't happen. It hits him in the back and it goes out of play or just goes off the crossbar and nothing really happens. We could also say Leon Bailey was massively unlucky to hit the woodwork as well. That could have happened to Aaron Ramsdale too. So if you put it in that context, I feel like it is sometimes just the luck of the draw. And it's unfortunate to say that it's even probably more unfortunate to say it happened in the last few minutes of the game and extra time too. So, I mean, we're being competitive in my mind. We're, I don't want to say we're nearly there as a side, because I still think there's a lot of improvement. Um, I feel like the consistency up front is growing and there's more, there's been more impetus in, I guess, kind of togetherness when we attack. It's just, again, and maybe this is why some of these players are at Villa and not at a top four side or playing in the Champions League every single season nowadays um, with certain players that have in the past. And of course, some that never have, but unfortunately it's, we either defend well or, and we, can't score or we score loads of goals and we can't defend. There's just never been that consistency. I feel like the last time we even had that consistency with a little bit of both was the behind closed door season, but that's just me. See, I completely agree. I'm just quickly going to go back to what you said about the Zinchenko goal, not being as frustrating as the first one. And I'm actually going to disagree with you there 
because I believe that Saka, for the first goal, still had a lot to do. He had to hit the volley crisp. He had to put it in the top corner and he had to hit it with power to get it past Martinez. However, the Zinchenko, that was the third time in the game that they'd gone short from a corner. And it's the third time that they'd been successful in working that ball to the edge of the box and having a shooting opportunity. So from a coach's perspective, you've got to be pulling your hair out and Austin McPhee has enough hair to be pulling out. But there's got to be communication from the sidelines there to not let that happen. Unless, unless for whatever reason, we were comfortable with them going short, which we should not have been because Arsenal are good with the ball on the floor, at the ball with the ball at their feet, working in tight spaces in and around the penalty box, in and around the edge of the box, the 18-yard box. That's not news. Any football fan, any Premier League fan could have told you that. So it seemed baffling to me that we were so comfortable in letting them play short from a corner. And it was coming. So, yeah, that was really frustrating uh, to me because I think many people in the stands could see that coming um, as it wasn't the first time that it happened. Moving on to what you said about being consistent at both ends, I completely agree. Um, Unai Emery's game is based on being clinical, taking your chances and then being solidified at the back, being tight and compact and keeping out the opposition. So to concede 11 in three is completely abstract to what we would expect from an Unai Emery side. Being clinical, yes, he's he's finally managed to get Watkins in brilliant form. He is completely coming up trumps for Villa at the moment. And I think a lot has to be said for his all-round performances um, you know, we had three shots on Saturday and and scored two of them. So we've we've almost mastered the art of taking your chances when they come, which is something that we've been crying out for for a long time from Villa's from Villa's forward players. However, it is that working at the back which is just struggling to almost. It's almost like a jigsaw. Once you put one piece in, the next piece should flow, and you should be able to identify the next piece. We've identified how we're going to play moving forward. And, you know, there's some great examples of it. Beating Tottenham on their patch 2-0, we took our chances when they came. Even the Brighton win just before the World Cup um, at the Amex Stadium, we won 2-1, we were 1-0 behind. You know, that was built on a solid defensive display and we took our chances when they came. So something's not right at the moment. And I mean, Emery came out and said it himself. These players are doing everything that he wants them to do on the training pitch, but for some reason they're not perfecting that on a match day but this isn't new this has been going on for years at Villa Dean Smith came out and said the same thing I think I remember a quote uh, he made back in 2020 if I'm not mistaken of him having too many training ground players so for that same issue to be reoccurring three managers later three years later questions have got to be asked of the players and why they are disregarding the manager's tactics or disregarding what the manager is asking them to do. There's clearly a deeper lying issue here, which needs to be solved in the long run if we are to make the strides forward that the club is so passionate about telling the fans that they want to do. You know, it's great to have all these aspirations and ambitions, but just going back to the jigsaw analogy all those pieces have to slot together for it to be successful. And at the moment, 
it's almost like we've opened the box, put all the pieces together, and that one corner piece is missing from the box, which he seemed to have lost. And that is finding the consistency on a match day. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, I'm pretty sure, and I'm not like strictly quoting it, so this is just kind of to paraphrase Unai Emery, but he was massively frustrated with the fact, and you mentioned with Dean Smith mentioning that as well, how essentially these things are working out so well on the training pitch. He's seeing exactly what he likes and it's not translating over to games. And that's been an issue for since we came up. I mean, let's forget, of course, before we got relegated. Um, But since we've come up, it's been a massive issue we have. And I mean, you can maybe look at it, someone like El Ghazi, who everyone would, you'd see all these quotes about how amazing and clinical he is when he's on the training pitch. And then um, of course he had some good contributions. Most of them were penalties that I can really think of, to be honest, but in terms of a a training ground player, that's one that with all the quotes that I would always see in the past that comes up, same thing. Maybe you would even say with someone like um, Trezeguet to an extent instance when he wasn't coming up. So clutch when we needed him Um, it's, it's an unfortunate thing and it's, it's annoying to see. And I think a lot of, fans in particular and sometimes I feel like that I'm sure you do too Seb but in the sense that it's easy just to say well some of these players if not most of them will be gone in the summer and then we'll have new ones but at the end of the day that doesn't matter it has to be for me it has to be a mentality that starts at the top and translates down from ownership to management and so on and so forth and I feel like we have that mentality and it's there it's just right now we're in this weird transition where it's Unai Emery's had January to bring in really probably less than he'd like the fact that we were able to even ship out what we did even temporarily on loan was impressive and it's just it's kind of left the rest of the season in a weird kind of lull for me if I'm going to be completely honest I'm not worried that we're not going to get to like 40 points and we're going to be in a relegation battle. I know a lot of people I've seen online say, oh, well, Everton are starting to win. We play them next. They've won two on the bounce. What I think it's two one nil wins. Um, Southampton have won um, on and on and on. I don't think we're any risk of that. I think, unfortunately for me, I feel like the rest of the season is like I've said, and I know Tom has said, and said, I'm sure you've said it as well the rest of the season for me feels like tryouts for what's next for next season. Well, of course for a few, there's going to be longer term contracts, which are harder to shift, but all in all there, that bench that we see now, I feel like is massively going to change. Some of the players that are actively on the pitch week by week will probably move to the bench. You would think. Um, And it's, it's a game of margins and it's, it's kind of weird to be, to look at a 4-2, which, let's be honest, like I said before, is basically a 3-2. If, if you eliminate a goal, that would never happen if there was a goalkeeper in net, which I want to get to here shortly. But you, you sit back and look at all the goals that we've conceded recently, and we can say it's not good enough and think that new players are going to come in and fix it. But really, at the end of the day, some of these players we currently have have to step up. Like, we're not going to become the Nottingham Forest of the Premier League and bring in 30,000 players in a in a single transfer window, and that's going to fix everything. Um, I think a lot of people, for example, look at Fulham 
coming up and having that momentum and think, well, look at our squad. Why can't that? And why isn't that us? Um, unfortunately, and it's true. I think I said this last week and I said it the week before, and I'll, I'll beat this home until it just absolutely gets so tiresome that to someone tweets me and tells me to shut up. So maybe that'll be tomorrow or Monday when this comes out uh, to reference timing of that. But we're dealing with so many players under different regimes when they came in. And I feel like you have just so many different play styles that aren't mending together. Then you have someone like Coutinho, who's seems like we're putting all our hopes and dreams on him again, weirdly, or some fans are that we're going to propel up the table. If he's the, he's the one that can lead us there, which again is dangerous territory, but Again, Seb, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it, it's it, it's great to be competitive, but I would rather be a little bit more consistent um, and have, honestly, a few more draws and a few more even boring draws right now than a, a 4-2 loss at home. But maybe that's just me because that that's what shows real progress to me, not a, not a 3-2 loss or 4-2 loss or whatever. We can score all the goals we want. If we can't keep them out, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, let's not be mistaken. Consistency is the hardest thing to achieve in football. Consistent teams are successful teams, to to put it simply. Um, nearly every team in the league, in any league, will go through a bad patch in a season. It's It's a given. And that's why I say successful teams are consistent teams, because you look at the top end of the league... Arsenal have had questions asked of them. City haven't gone through a stage of winning more than three games in a row this season and are sitting in second. So arguments could be made for for their consistency. So, I mean, it's not... I don't think it's as simple as going, well, you know, I wish we were consistent because if we were, we'd be fighting up the top end of the league. And I don't think anyone expected Villa to be up in the higher portions of the league this season and I'm talking about top four there, which is mainly where the consistent teams finish. However, you can cut out the silly mistakes. You can cut out the repetitive mistakes. Like if you concede a goal like that to Stevenage, it shouldn't then be happening in the Premier League a month or so later in the exact same fashion. So repetitive mistakes can be cut out. Simple mistakes can be cut out. It's, It's the needlessness for me, which is frustrating in the way that we concede goals and have gone about games recently in the fact that we put ourselves in a brilliant position and Ollie Watkins said this in his post-match press conference in the fact that we we do the hard part to get ourselves in a good position but then we seem to throw it all away for for whatever reason or another and I, I can't sit here and say why I think we throw it away because that's almost a million dollar question at the moment and I don't think even Unai Emery knows. So he'll be working day and night to try and get to the bottom of that. But as I said, we've got four fixtures against teams below us in the league now. So there's an opportunity here to regalvanize the squad, get a bit of togetherness back. I mean, I, I agree in the fact that I don't expect much from the rest of the season. However, we are seven points off seventh. So with our four games coming up, look, it's impossible to say. And the Premier League is probably one of the hardest leagues by the championship in the world to predict. 
So anything can happen. But I think what Villa fans would like to see, as I've mentioned, is just these needless mistakes being cut out. Well, the, I think that's the thing too. And like it, it's easy to say how solid we were defensively in the um, behind closed door season because I think it was just a completely different game and mindset for a lot of players. And there, of course, there's a lot less pressure. Um, but in my mind, if if we're able to have relatively the same backline as we did then in play like that, there's no reason why that can't work under. Um, and, and all due respect to Dean Smith, Unai Emery is a better, more qualified manager. Um, why it shouldn't be working. Um, some people may say it's playing out from the back is sacrificing um, other aspects of the game, which we're struggling to cope with. Um, you can look at Emmy Martin as it playing it out from the back three times in a row and basically putting it out of bounds um, as probably one of the prime examples. Of course, you can mention the, the Ming's error on the first one. And there's probably a few that I'm not thinking of right now, but I mean, let's, I want to get to the last goal and the whole kind of Emmy Martinez conversation. Um, at least that I think there is one. It's just, I don't know about you, Seb, and I know we, talked about this very very briefly before recording but i'm just so sick of this arsenal versus emmy martinez thing that's built up between arsenal fans in their own mind and i don't know if emmy martinez feels the same way now of course you can preface that by saying um like you said pre-recording that of course we all know emmy martinez has a step up in his career um he's a very passionate guy he expresses himself in interesting ways to say the least um, if you want to reference a World Cup um, <laughs> and, of course, Copa America penalty shootout, you can definitely um, get a sense of that. But it's I don't know. I, I understood it the first season when Emmy was with us. The first game, even though it was behind closed doors at the Emirates, I understand that. Even the next season when the fans are back, I can get that. So maybe I'll give him like a two or three game buffer. But for me, this. I don't want to say it's being irrational or the rashness that he shows against Arsenal at times. For one, it just, I don't know, at some point it needs to stop. And I'm referencing the last goal. And of course, Emery even came out and said that was Emmy Martinez's decision to do that. And he was annoyed at it. And of course, Martinez is a protagonist. He's one of the main characters and has that personality to win at all costs within our side, which I fully respect. But I don't know. There has to be better communication there. There has to be better decision-making. It's one goal. It's not like I don't think we're going to be in a situation this season by any means where goal difference is going to drop us down crazily in terms of finishing, say, 11th versus like 15th. But to me, it's a goal that doesn't need to happen. It's just massively frustrating. It's not really thinking it through. It's trying to be desperate for whatever reason. I feel like he wouldn't do this if it wasn't any other side against any other side. Now, on the flip side, on the Arsenal side, of course, you see it all on social media. Um, of course, the own goal, giving them the win, and just Arsenal fans cussing him out, saying all the time wasting, it's karma, explicit uh, language, yada, yada, yada. But it's just, I I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me anymore. Like, Villa fans have every right to feel some ways, in, in my opinion, if they want to about Jack Realish still at times, especially after the dive, that's, that's understandable, but a goalkeeper who of course won them the FA cup 
in the project restart and played a little bit and was on loan every other season, basically prior to that. I, I don't know for me, it's, are, are they mad secretly because even though Aaron Ramsdale is turning out to be an excellent goalkeeper, um, they're annoyed that they could have basically just kept Emmy and not had to pay 30 odd million or whatever it ended up being. I don't know. It, it's just, it's a weird, weird thing that for me, as entertaining as yesterday was, and I probably sound like a bitter old man, Seb, but for me, it's just, I don't know. It's so childish. Either way, that's how I see it. Um, This is a really difficult topic because I'm, without trying to sit on the fence and get splinters, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell Arsenal fans how they can and can't feel about a player. In the same way that if a Man City... Man City fan asked why we were booing Grealish. It's none of their business. Villa fans have their own feelings about Grealish. Arsenal fans will have their own feelings about Martinez. Whether we understand it or not, that's that's clearly how they feel. Our, Martinez has the character and the personality to wind players up, to wind fans up. Um, you know, he has that South American blood in him to want to win at all costs and he's one of those players where if you if he plays for your team you absolutely love him if he plays against you you absolutely loathe him Zaha for example Luke Ayling springs to mind many others Bukayo Saka even to a degree so it it it's difficult I I don't want to say he's brought it upon himself but I think he understands that he plays with fire and that's great. Sometimes it will come off like it did in the World Cup final, like it did in the Copa America, et cetera, et cetera. And there's been many times for Villa where he's he's done it and it's it's paid off more times than it hasn't paid off, in fact. But I think the gods have written a superb storyline in the fact that he has winded Arsenal fans up for all these years and then he goes and scores a diving header to win them the game in the last minute. Um you know, you, it is just unlucky. And it, like I said, if you're playing with fire, sometimes you're going to get burnt. And will he probably be sitting at home regretting it now? I don't know. He, You know, there, there might be a part of him that goes, I was an idiot. You know, it's come back to bite me and he will learn from it. But there, there's also a part, like I said, he's South American. It's in his blood. That's his character to, to be like that. And... I'm not saying that we have to sit there and accept it. There'll be some people that agree with the way he acts and there'll be some people that, that disagrees. It's it's evident that Unai Emery disagreed with it and he will no doubt take him to one side and have a word about how he believes he should have acted and portrayed himself. Going up for the corner is a difficult one because if if they've had a conversation about it prior to it happening before any game, if they've ever had a conversation and Unai Emery has gone to him, if we are losing by a goal and we get a corner in the last minute, I do not want you going up for the corner. Then Martinez has blatantly disregarded his manager's orders and is every, and Unai Emery has every right to be angry at him, be annoyed at him and, you know, sanction him. I, and I say sanction him by having a go at him, by being angry and displaying that to him. Had they 
not talked about it and Martinez had taken that into his own hands but not asked Emery, it's a difficult one because it's late on in the game. You know, he's just scored an own goal in the 90th minute. He'll be desperate to try and make up, not just because it's Arsenal, but because, you know, he wants to win every game. He's he's a born winner. He will want to make amends for the Villa fans, for himself. So I could understand it. And again, if they hadn't talked about it, then it's something that they can now talk about and Emery can put his thoughts across and Martinez can put his thoughts across and they can they can work it out together as professionals. It, it, I, I don't want to look too much into it because it didn't cost us a game. It wasn't a, a massive uh, turning point in the game, if you like. I, I don't think it needs to be made into something something bigger than it is. It, it was a mistake. Emmy will have learned from it and he he will have realised that in hindsight he probably did the wrong thing. But hindsight in sports, you can always change your opinion. And that's that's probably why we're on here, to, to look back at hindsight and discuss what was right and what was wrong for Aston Villa. And in this occasion, it was wrong. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, let's let's discuss... Uh, I, I don't want to... This is going to be a quick one, I promise, because even saying this... The, the fact that this is called content for me or content creator just still annoys me, but Arsenal fan TV, let's, let's throw that in there really quickly. Um, if you've been living under a rock, I'm sure it's probably been shared across Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I know it's on Twitter cause I saw it, but the fact that they're in the car park and they have the same attention seeking people on every week to basically say how shit, whatever opponent they have or they played and they just beat and they're the best team in the world and Villa should get relegated and then to see that they're in the stadium doing pre-match content when Villa creators aren't even permitted to do so themselves. What does that say to you? And I don't like, we'll get back to the game here in a second, but I think it's important to mention because some people may think, oh, well, you guys are just complaining because um, some of your team can't get in their pre-match or get the access they do or whatever. But it's not even for me, it's for... Um, people like Max Stokes from Villa on tour. Um, I mean, the list goes really on and on with all the other podcasts. Of course, Neil for the, for, for the love of Paul McGraw, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. There's a million Villa podcasts out there at the moment that are doing quality content. Um, you have video content creators as well and other forms too on social media, strictly per se. It's, it's just weird, isn't it? 
It, it, like I get the profile of Arsenal fan TV, but making content like that, which, well, again, one of them telling Villa to go back to Birmingham when the game's in Birmingham, that didn't really make sense. Um, and just that kind of access it, does it for you, Seb, I mean, as someone who also creates content because we're making a podcast, does it kind of show you that there is that little disconnect between the football club and the fans in that aspect? Everyone has their opinions on Arsenal Fan TV, whatever those opinions may be. Me and you have opinions on Arsenal Fan TV. Anyone who's watched any of their content will will have opinions on them um, and how they go about their business. And whether you think it's right or wrong, they are very successful in terms of numbers um and they've they've built their success through having those personalities on i get that that's part and parcel of content creators and paving a way to being successful however being allowed inside villa park is not right it was a mistake made by the club now i do understand that the club have been contacted and have been in conversation with various people and have assured them that a decision like that will not be made again and it will not be allowed to happen again in the future. So, it, it, I mean, it should have never happened to begin with. The fact that Arsenal were allowed inside our ground to film a preview, yet Villa fans have consistently been turned away. Um, it leaves a sour taste, especially when... Christian Perslow makes a big effort of trying to reconnect the club with the fans and doing all these surveys to make the club a better place, a better run place, a better environment. So as long as we have assurances that it won't happen again, I think that's the only thing the club can do now. Um, it was It was disappointing to see, but then again, with the success of Arsenal Fan TV, maybe the club thought that you know, it would be it'd be good media for them. I I just don't know. It 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 boils down to whoever made that PR decision and whoever had their reasoning for why they thought it would be right. However, I would like to see the club have a bigger connect with content creators, like you mentioned, Max, Dan Bardell, they've been brilliant with the club have over the years, um, with the Facebook Live stuff, blah, blah, blah. But um, you know, there's so many content creators who would have given a lot and you know done anything to have been given the opportunity that Arsenal fan TV have had I mean it's happened now we can't change it but as long as it doesn't happen again and I hope that my answers aren't too boring for the people listening and that they don't say that I am getting too many splinters from sitting on the fence each time but I I don't want to get come on here and be really angry about it and go, oh, well, Arsenal fan TV this, Arsenal fan TV that. They shouldn't have been allowed access into our ground. Blah, it's a disgrace, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, it's happened. They they go about their business just as, as well as everyone else does. And they, they were given an opportunity and ultimately they took it. So it's not Arsenal fan TV that I think we should be annoyed about. As, you know, the comments that they made, yes, unacceptable. But the amount of clubs that they've they've um made those comments about and you know that's just how they've been successful so it it's a club that we need to handle it with and the fact that they allowed them access in and you know i believe that that matter has been dealt with they've said that it won't happen again so i think we can move on from it now absolutely all i can say seb is that fence is a very nice fence at least so i i don't blame you for sitting on it but 
regardless of that. Um, I do want to go um, to some Twitter comments, questions, concerns. Uh, we put out a tweet earlier in the day on Sunday. Um, a few of you saw it and responded, so I very much appreciate that. So I'll just kind of read some of them out. Like I said, they're questions, comments, art, or concerns, so it's not necessarily um, in reference to us answering them all maybe we'll we'll discuss them or at least read them out because that's what i promised i would do and i do appreciate the interaction regardless um so let's go over to at p staggert um he says var sucks strangely i'm not concerned we are playing well rough two games this stretch is pivotal it's clear summer will spend are we um are we talking good spend or obscene approaching Chelsea spending um, is the way he kind of referenced that. I paraphrase it for a second because I wasn't reading it properly. But in regards to that, Seb, let's let's kind of get your thoughts on this. I mean, in terms of where we are now heading into the final few months of the season, into the home stretch per se, and then heading into the summer, I mean, like I've kind of referenced before, some people probably want a complete overhaul, but do you think it's really going to happen or is it just going to be maybe more of a realistic whoever's starting in the first team that is going to offer some value going forward will probably get moved to the bench. We'll look for players that fit a system and kind of move on for there. There's no way it's going to be a complete clear out, is it? No, no, I, I believe we'll bring four or five players in on for relatively big fees. Um, you know, Perslow said on BT that he he and Emery and Lang, etc., have a plan and that he believes that that plan will be followed through. Um, you know, it's too early to be looking towards the, the transfer window yet. Um, however, I, I do believe that we will, we will make the necessary additions. I can see a right-back coming in. I can see a centre-back coming in. Uh, a striker as well, I think, will be priority as well as a winger. So, uh, yeah, f- five, four, five, or six. But again, it depends on outgoings. Villa have been very, very good at getting players out the door before bringing them in. So, I think we will stick to that model. You know, obviously, we got a lot out in January, um, and I think there'll be players who have been told some home truths by Unai Emery and perhaps won't get the playing time that they've been afforded this season or seasons before that. So depending on outgoings and money coming in, yeah, I, I, I believe we'll be in a better place next season than we are at the moment. And I believe that we will have some very good players come through the door, but I don't want to be looking to the transfer window just yet. No. And I, the one thing I do want to preference about that though, I feel like there also is going to be one or two that we're going to be maybe underwhelmed at, but given Emery's system, I feel like will be underrated, but that's just how I feel about Una Emery and how we've conducted business though. Thus far, I didn't know who the heck's the, who the heck Alex Moreno was. Um, he's been a little bit questionable defensively at times in the early days, but I've been very pleased for the majority and he does fit um, Una Emery's system a little bit better. Uh, let's go over to Spencer at SMB one, one, two. He just kind of says disappointing pivotal decisions, not going our way lapses of concentration on our side that cost us. Not too concerned about recent results from our last two games, considering the opposition. Three games um, are going to tell the next three games are going to tell us a lot about where we're at. Um, which, in my mind, and I'll kind of answer this one very quickly before we get on to the last one, which is more of a question. It's very true. Like, really, we have to remember this is 
City and Arsenal we're talking about. It's not like, in all due respect, it's not like we just played Leeds and Southampton who are struggling at the bottom um, where we're expected to get all three points realistically, or at least three points in a draw um, out of those games. Um, it, it is what it is. It's frustrating in the manner that we've conceded some of them. I thought we were very competitive in both, like I've said, but at the end of the day, and in particular to the Arsenal game, um, there's clear signs of improvement. And I think a lot of us thought that kind of was happening under Gerard last season, um, but it turned out to be just an absolute blip. So I, I think there's a clear kind of telltale sign that what to look for an example of last season where we thought it was happening and improving and it just was a little bit of a kind of a boost uh, versus clear progress, which is here to stay in some aspects and some personnel and some other things just kind of probably need to get moved around and changed um, in order to improve. And let's be honest, it's Villa. If, if everything was easy, my God, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if half of us would even be here to be honest. But uh, ask the City fans. That's my little diss for them. It's too easy for them. Um, but let's go to um, USA underscore villain at AVFC underscore USA 83. Um, he's basically just asking, I'll throw this one over to Seb. Do we need to hit the magic 40 by the end of the Forest game on, um, I think, when is that? January, February, April 8th, I think it is. Um, and then he says, after that, it seems to be a tough run. Also, what is what is going on with this goal um, concession, conceding, whatever you want to call it? It's sort of uh, it's it sort of held us in games when we weren't scoring at all. Now it's leaky. Sorry, um, some people like to use like abbreviations and stuff, and then when you're trying to read it out, it doesn't always make sense. But I think most of us get that. So Seb, questions to you: Do we do you think you're gonna, we're going to hit the forty points by Forest? Um, and we've already kind of discussed the the conceding issue. So if you want to address that, feel free. But let's address the first one at least. Do I think or do I think we will or do I think we have to? Um, answer that as you will. Okay, I'll go do we think we will. <laughs> um, and you're really putting me on the spot here because my maths is um, shocking to, to say the least. So I mentioned our, our four or five game run of favorable fixtures. So we're currently on 28. So we've got Palace, we've got Everton away, Palace at home, West Ham away, Bournemouth at home, Chelsea away, and then Forest at home. So I'd like to think, I mean, it's difficult because, you know, Everton are coming into form, Bournemouth have won their last game, Palace are trying to chase us in the table, if you like, um, and went within minutes of beating Brentford, who are on a fantastic winning, well, unbeaten run. Um then you've got Bournemouth who won this weekend, Chelsea who surely have to pick up some form soon, and then Forest who haven't exactly been bad this season. Um, okay, I'll go through them. Why not? And then and then we can work this out. Can you get your calculator app up for me? We'll do. So, so we're currently on twenty eight points, right? Yeah. Everton away, I think we'll draw. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is about head and heart now. I'm rubbish at score predictions, so please don't take this as a gospel. So Everton will go for a draw. Palace, I'm going to be an optimist and say we'll win. West Ham, we never, ever win at the London Stadium. Um, However, I think that's going to change this time around, so I think we'll win that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth at home. Got to win that. Has a draw written all over it for me for some reason. Yeah. 
I, I think we'll fail to win out of one of West Ham away and Bournemouth at home. So given I've already got us beating West Ham, we'll go for a draw at Bournemouth. Chelsea away, I think we'll lose. I I just don't want to come across as too overconfident and we'll have to lose eventually because at the end of the day, it's Aston Villa. And then Forest at home, oh, that could be anything. They're so unpredictable. Um, I think we'll draw. What's a draw put us on? That would put us on 39. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. A win would put us on 39. A draw would put us on 37. Okay, so do I think we have to hit the 40-point mark? No. Because... <laughs> that was a long-winded way to say no. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, the season is made up of... Oh, fuck, what's 19 times 2? Geez, I'm really bad at maths. Um, 19 times 2? Uh, 38? Yes. It's a 38-game yes. season. So yes. do I think we have to hit the 40-point mark by then? No. Do I think we will? Evidently, by my predictions, No. <laughs> I hate to come across as too negative, but well, I, you... I hope I hope that answered your question. Well, it, it certainly does, and I'm sure he appreciates it. Um, maybe we'll make a special corner called Seb's Math Time or something like that <laughs> and give him a few Villa-related numeric questions or something to see if he can get through them. Um, well, we like to we like to come up with new games on the Hulkcast. I'm not going to lie, Seb. That was that was absolutely brutal. But nonetheless, I, I I do get a kick out of it. I'm sure the listeners do as well. And first and foremost, thank you to everyone um, that reached out. Of course, I know we put this out on a Sunday, and I know in relation to Villa social media stuff, usually if it's after a game where we've lost, it gets pretty quiet. So to the folks that actually engaged and want to. Uh, kind of interact with us i really do appreciate it but let's switch over to the other side of twitter that was probably um probably fuming by based on most of these tweets and of course i'm referencing the three word review so seb i'm gonna come to you so get ready at some point here very shortly of course you can tweet us at 7500 holt post match it usually goes out the tweet does at least i should say five to 15 minutes um after the final whistle it's good fun i think we had almost 70 this time so Let's get through as many as we can here in the next few minutes. Let's start with uh, Darren saying, wake up, Martinez. Um, Will Davey saying, off the bar. Uh, USA underscore villain, again, interacting. Again, very much appreciated. Saying, Emery getting mad. Um, Kelly says, Tom Hanks' faults, which I very much enjoy. Um, let's go to MW absolutely or sorry, absolute scandalous officiating Corbin saying just peak Villa, the villain saying football is cruel, <laughs> as said, previously referenced on the pod, uh, Nigel VW or WV also agrees saying Stevenage corner replay. Um, JJ says bottom half quality jazz Singh, Oh, so cruel. Uh, David Abrahams, same old Villa. Uh, Chris Margitz saying, well, that sucks. Um, World Child Prodigy says, uh, he says two of them, but I'll just read the nicer one. That's, I mean, they're not both nice, but this one's a little bit more PG. Um, need new defenders. Um, and where was the one that I did want to read? Because I just absolutely love it for some reason. I apologize if you hear a, a, a dog barking in the background. He's decided to join me in um, his rage in regards to how Villa played, apparently. Um, I'm glad Will you says, pointed that out. I wouldn't want people thinking it was me. Well, yeah, fair enough. Um, Jean, or sorry, Will says, Jean Duran, good. Um, and oh, where was that one that I can't seem to find? If I find it later, I'll give it a shout out. But let's finish 
with um, Mr. Granger saying unlucky, but better. I think that's a good way to put it. And now I'll throw it over to Seb for his three word review. So Seb, what are you giving me today? See, I'm not going to say how much I hate this game because I don't want people to think that I'm being repetitive. However, I do hate this game. But for once, I came prepared, so I made some notes. Um, and I have put keep looking ahead, like I've mentioned many times. Uh, we've got a we've got a run coming up where I'd like to think that we can get some results. So, yeah, keep looking ahead, and I'm just trying to stay positive. Fair enough. I haven't even thought of this yet, so let's see what I can. Maybe come you can up ask with. your dog. Well, he's just going buff, buff, buff. He's an eight-month-old <laughs> cockapoo who has now discovered <laughs> barking and buffing, apparently, um, and he does it from my office window. So, yeah. <laughs> can we can we hear your impression of a dog barking again? <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> he's looking at me right now and looking at me like. I'm mocking him. But anyways, um, to get over to my three word review, I'll say (laughs) Emmy, stop that in reference to the fourth goal. That's all I'll say. And apparently Ollie, my dog, not named after Ollie Watkins, I must say, regardless of that, some people won't believe me. Apparently he doesn't like that based on his growls at the moment. But anyway, Seb, um, Let's do a match ball. We haven't done one in a while. I've kind of completely forgot that we even do them, to be honest. But if you were going to give your match ball man of the match award to someone Villa related, who would it be? Uh, I think I'll go Ollie Watkins for this one. He's been he's been very good recently. He's come into a really good run of form and he's proving a lot of people wrong. So, yeah, Ollie Watkins. And I think it's the least that he deserves. However, I would like to give an honorable mention to John McGinn, probably one of his best games in a Villa shirt. Absolutely. I think, see, it's it's a tough one because I felt like that first half was really pleasing for most of the attacking end in particular. Um, you have to get a special shout out to Emmy Buendia for that dummy. Um, that's probably one of the spiciest things I've seen all season. Um, maybe you could give it to Felipe Coutinho for scoring and having probably, I would say, a good 60 minutes. Um, but no, I, I think you have to give it to Ollie Watkins as well. Uh, my dog's namesake <laughs> uh, for that. I think it's it's more than fair. Um, I mean, he took that goal very well. He was an absolute pain in the neck uh, for Arsenal at various points. Um, it's unfortunate he couldn't have capitalized a little bit more on a few more opportunities. But really, after that goal was scored, um, he was really honed in on and really isolated at times too, which is another thing I would like to see Villa get a little bit better at is being able to open up space for their attackers. Once they've done something productive, it seems like the other side has figured it out and we just don't adjust quick enough, quickly enough to kind of exploit them again when we should. But uh, that's just me. But Seb, I didn't even realize this happened until you put it in our little uh, comment section here in the recording. But apparently there was a fight yesterday. Um, do you want to bring any light to that or your thoughts? Yeah, so I wasn't actually there. Um, however, I believe it was just above the press box. So for people that aren't too familiar, um, both teams send uh, some staff up into a designated area of the stadium. and It's normally near the press box. Um, so data analysts, for example, who sit there with computers and look at the players stats from their vests that they wear um, as well as looking at different angles and they have an earpiece and they communicate with someone on the bench 
for whatever reason needs to be now it i mean it's it's been made aware that arsenal when the martinez own goal went in the arsenal staff celebrated that quite vigorously in the faces of the aston villa staff and obviously the aston villa staff who were sent up were previously arsenal staff when emery was there and they didn't take to it too kindly and i believe that it got a bit physical with the arsenal staff ending up having to be removed by the stewards and it's a it's a really weird one for me because i was in the press box for bristol city versus millwall at the earlier on in the season we were up in the gods and i was sat next to the two analysts from millwall obviously the away side on the day and you know when a goal goes in they work for the club so they are going to show every emotion and so Millwall won 2-1 on that day. And for the two Millwall goals, they were up, they were celebrating, but they were doing it respectfully. So they weren't going over the top. You know, they realised that they were in and around Bristol City fans. So, you know, they although they were delighted that the club that they work for was getting results, you know, they, they managed to do it in a respectful manner. So I, I can see why these things can easily kick off. And, you know, I, I'm surprised that there's not a better location or a better way of putting you know opposition staff not in and around either press box where villa staff will be working or even the villa fans for that matter but yeah it it wouldn't surprise me if it's not the last time that something like that happens but it shouldn't happen so yeah that's that's my thoughts on it yeah it's a it's a it's a weird one i mean I think some people, I mean, some people just love that stuff. Um, I think for me, it kind of speaks more to professionalism. Um, There's ways to celebrate and be respectful. And then there's ways just to celebrate like an absolute knob, in my opinion. Um, I get it. There's a lot of emotion coming from behind from 2-1 to win 4-2. And of course, being 3-2 when they scored in like the dying minutes of the game, I I, I get that. Um it it is what it is. Unfortunately, it happens all the time. We we've seen it um, with Villa staff members in the past. I can think of what like the whole Leeds dust up in the Championship and John Terry telling whoever uh, whoever off in the Leeds staff. I'm sure he's actually told a few people off in a few dust ups um, at his time at Villa as as a coach. So I don't know. It, it's I don't think there's a major storyline, and it. it's interesting that it happened. Um, personally, I feel like. Arteta run or rub some people the wrong way, which I can kind of understand. But again, um, when you get with, I find South Americans and uh, Spanish speaking folks, they get very passionate and they like to express themselves with, with hands gestures and kind of moving around and all that kind of stuff, which uh, of course we have to appreciate when you have someone like Emmy Martinez as well, as we've previously discussed, but it is what it is. I'm sure it won't be the last one this season at some point at Villa Park or Villa related when it comes to some kind of disagreement or shouting match between whether it's a player and another member of staff on another side, i.e. McGinn versus Sean Dyche, which who knows, maybe he'll say his jacket is shit again next week. Um, we'll have to wait and see or this coming week when you hear this, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But anyways, I think we'll leave it there because we've definitely went on for more than long enough. Um, thank you very much, Seb, for joining me. Of course, if you want to find him on Twitter, it's at Sebastian Bacon eight. You can find me on Twitter at talk Aston Villa, tweet the team at 7,500 to Holt. Of course you can find the podcast literally 
anywhere Acast, spotify apple Podcasts. i think it's on stitcher uh google podcasts the list goes on and on of course like i said at the start uh leave us a positive review tell your friends it's always appreciated um hopefully we can um give a little bit more of an impetus heading into the rest of the season if we give away a shirt and can kind of bribe some of you to uh put us up the podcast charts a little bit but nonetheless we would appreciate appreciate that and uh yeah we'll leave it there hopefully we should have a match preview prior to Everton but if not we'll be uh, right back post match to make sense of hopefully a positive villa result but like i said we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.